Hello and welcome to Walking the Earth podcast. I'm Mike Margulies in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and today I'm joined by Damien Walter. What's up, man? Hi, Mike. How are you today? I'm fantastic. It's another beautiful day in Chiang Mai. <laughs> always a beautiful day in Chiang Mai. Have you seen that video? Which one? There's a video from Chiang Mai called It's a Good Day There's in Chiang Mai. There's only one video. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a hip-hop video. It's made by a young kid from San Francisco. He's a Thai kid. Yeah. He lived in San Francisco a lot of his life. He's into rap and hip-hop, so he took the Ice-T song, I think it's just called It's a Good Day, and he made it in Chiang Mai. And there's a whole video awesome. of him and his friends on their scooters. <laughs> just doing all the Chiang Mai things. All the Chiang Mai things, oh, yeah. That's Eating awesome. khao soy, going to the university campus and the lake. That is out. awesome. I remember a video like that when I was living in uh, the D.C. area. There was some video about like Washington, D.C. And it was, oh yeah, that, that, that. Perfect. Like mm-hmm. all the stereotypical yep. things of Chiang Mai. <laughs> and it works so well for Chiang Mai because like, I didn't expect coming here that there would be so many cool kids. Yeah, yeah. Like, like there's a whole generation of Thai hipsters who've made this city their home. <laughs> and you know, I had no idea that was going to be here. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. What's that called? A day in the life of Chiang Mai? Uh, it's a good day in it's Chiang Mai. It's a good Mai. day in Chiang Mai. Sweet. I will mm-hmm. have to check that one out. <laughs> uh, it's always a good day in Chiang Mai, I think. Uh, now you've been out here for, so I uh, just to uh, give listeners some context, you um, are a, a digital nomad of sorts, a, a nomadic yes. writer, yes. Uh, you would say. You're writing for um, a lot of um, big name internet um, places like The Guardian uh, and also BuzzFeed. And a job you're able to do uh, basically anywhere you want, yeah. um, which is kind of the, I guess, the beauty of having these um, jobs that you work online. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you, I guess, and like many people, you found yourself here in, in Chiang Mai. Yeah, I actually, <laughs> I came to Chiang Mai to write about digital nomads. Uh, yes, yes. Um, yeah, I remember you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to, to do some traveling. Um, and I realized that I'd probably been a digital nomad for about two years. I yeah, just hadn't yeah. gone anywhere. Like, <laughs> all my work happened on my laptop. Yeah. I never went to an office. I was in the same coffee shops where I was living. Uh, so I was reading about digital nomads online. I thought, right, I'm going to go and yeah. write a piece about this. Got a commission to do it. And I spent my first month in Chiang Mai going around interviewing like all the digital nomads I could find. Oh, that's awesome. Maybe I, could yeah. I maybe like uh, tap into your list? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> That'd sure. be awesome. Although, you know, the thing is that people move on. Oh, that's true. But now they're we coming back. We are nomads back. after all. <laughs> now they're coming back. We're heading into high season mm. and I was here all the way through low season and there was a point where the city was like Completely really dead. quiet. Yeah. Uh, and then around September time, beginning of September, I started to see lots of Farang, lots of Westerners turning up, lots of young guys like yourself. Yeah. You know, uh, and little groups of people in coffee shops, and I was like, yeah, the nomads, uh, they're flocking back to Chiang Mai for the, for the winter. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, almost like a so, seasonal place. So uh, you find, yeah, I've, I, I've spent a few months in Chiang Mai, not all at once, but I haven't, I guess I haven't seen the full cycle of how, mm. how it works. So, so people tend to, because there are certain places they go, they migrate somewhere else during the summer months and then migrate back to Chiang Mai. Yeah, well, it gets pretty hot and smoky in Chiang Mai. Uh, I've heard about that. There's like a burning season. Yeah, they burn all the crop fields. That's, when is that? Uh, so that was around July. It's in July. It okay, was I wasn't nowhere here then. near as bad as uh. the rumors Yeah, suggested. I've heard people say like they have soot on their like arms and stuff. Like really, they can just, you're covered in it. Like. It wouldn't, no, I didn't experience that at all. But uh. I've experienced that in London. 
I've had days in London where uh, I get to the end of the day <laughs> and I feel like I'm scraping car fumes uh, off, off my face. Uh, so major city life. Yeah. On the whole, Chiang Mai is, is not too bad in the right. regard. But it's the rainy season, it's the smoky season. Uh, people head off to other venues, maybe mm. off to India. Some people head back to America or Europe for a while. Uh, um, okay. And also there's a lot of new people this year. There's been a lot of publicity about how Chiang Mai is a digital nomad mecca. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people kind of leaping out of their day jobs or whatever yeah. they're doing. That I don't know anyone who's encouraging that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be doing that. I, I would, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, why not? I think particularly if you're like, so I'm 37 now. I, I feel like... You're 37. Like a, uh, no fucking yeah, way. No, I'm, I'm well preserved. <laughs> Uh, and I feel like pretty old compared to a lot of the nomads, but if you're like just coming out of college, um, particularly if you've got some digital skills, mm. you know, why not come somewhere like this where it's a very right. low cost of living, yes. if you've got some money behind you, start your own business, mm. as opposed to throwing yourself straight away into the, yeah. the nine to five work life. Yeah, you know? I, I definitely uh, couldn't agree more. And like, you know, for me personally, I, I went through the kind of the traditional motions there. Mm. Um, that was my kind of backstory. Was, you know, I, yeah, I went, studied uni, and then went straight to a job, mm. and then you know, burnt myself out essentially, and said, ah, fuck it, I'm gone. And yeah. so, um, yeah, and then lo and behold, here I am. Um, but yeah, I would say, I mean, we're in changing times for sure. Like the internet, mm. really, sure. it made all this possible. Of course, like digital nomad, this whole thing is a brand new thing. It's not something that like our parents' generation had as an option, really. Um, and I think, so it's this, this generation now is like completely different than anything prior mm. because of this math. You know, for sure, the internet's just changed everything. So I agree with you, man. Like, if people are, um, why not come out and like try out living somewhere, low cost of living, uh, where you can, if you have um, an entrepreneurial mind in particular, mm. uh, it's a good place where you can experiment with uh, entrepreneurial ideas um, sure, with yeah. lower risk yeah. than trying to start a business, say, in the US or the UK. Right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> You've got a much lower burden rate. You're, you're yeah. going to be spending a few hundred dollars a month yeah. uh, to stay here in Chiang Mai, so that means you can give a proper chunk of time starting your yeah. business. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I think it's, um, you know, it's a lot to ask as someone who's, um, say, someone's 18 years old and they're about to enter uni. What do you want to do with the rest of your life? Or have you finished uni? Now you choose mm. your job. You're going to have your career for the next 40 years. You know, um, I, I found I found myself kind of in this situation where I was just take, well, I didn't follow my passions necessarily because oh well, that's what, there's um, there's more risk in that. Doing mm. a conservative route, become an engineer, going uh, mm. uh, when really you know, I, not that I have regrets, but I think now I have this thought that maybe you are best served following those passions and if you just wait places you can go. Where you can can experiment with these mm. kind of things, um, I, so yeah, I, I totally support it too. Yeah, <laughs> well, you, if you look at the the working world, even the traditional mm. kind of corporate world now, the thing that everyone says over and over again, and this has been coming out really strongly in like the last decade, uh. is that these companies need creativity. Yeah, you know, the, the average lifespan of a major corporation now, I remember from my research, is about forty years. Really. You know, and that's the kind of burn that a corporation, even like Microsoft, might mm. go through. You know, a massive business at one point, but then things are changing and innovating so quickly. At a rapid pace, yeah. Um, so even if you did your digital nomad thing, and maybe your business doesn't quite take 
but mm. you're going to have picked up all of these creative skills, all of these entrepreneurial skills, right. been around that. There's a lot of good people to make contacts with here mm. as well. It's a big yeah. community of entrepreneurs. That, that's another thing too. It's like, yeah, you're in a spot where there's the, what we talked about before, the low cost of living aspect, but yeah, you're surrounded by people that are, mm. have that, that are trying to do the same thing. So it's like yeah. inspiring. I meet people like you. Just we come, Actually, we met where we're at right now is the Kawe Cafe, mm-hmm. and there's an event. Uh, this is another thing I that you find in a place like Chiang Mai. It was Socrates Cafe. We literally were the group of, I don't know, what was it? There were a lot of people, like 20 some people yeah, talking philosophy. 24, 25. Yeah. yeah. And we're sitting in a circle talking philosophy. Um, it, it was just, you know, that kind of thing happens here. You know, yeah. and maybe you could find that other places too, I'm sure. There's stuff like that. But, you know, things like that. Just, you, you find interesting characters mm. uh, all around, mm. you know. Um, and then you go to the co-working spaces and I'm constantly meeting people that are inspiring me. Mm, I, yeah. I see what, uh, I went to a thing yesterday at Coffee Monster and they had like, wow, oh, building an online business. I'm like, wow, all the resources I need as far as people that know shit, they're all here, all around me. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you don't have a specific idea, you could, you could come here, mm. team up with like half a dozen other people yeah, with easily. complimentary skill sets yes, exactly. and just get the ball rolling. I feel like I could... It, I could just find um, that person with any skill set I need in a second. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Like there's that, yeah. the, the Chiang Mai Digital Nomads Facebook page. Are you on this uh-huh. one? Yes. Um, yeah. That's fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. I could pose like any question in the universe to these guys, like someone knows the answer. And it's like very supportive sure, yeah. community. I find myself to someone else, oh, I know the answer. I can help this person, mm-hmm. out, you know? Um, it, it's just like, unlike anything, I've, I've become, uh, this is how I've become addicted to Chiang Mai. It became a place that I've never heard of yeah. to like, wait, this yeah. is home. Well, Chiang Mai is, it's cool. It's a very cool (laughs) city. Like, my my hook from the essay I wrote about digital nomads was the idea that digital nomads are like a modern counterculture. Like a hippie counterculture of the 60s and 70s. And Chiang Mai is like our San Francisco. That's where a lot of people are. I like that analogy. Yeah, yeah. But the hippies were very much about like dropping out. Okay. You know, or rebelling against society, and I think our generation today are a bit more savvy, maybe. Mm. Or maybe when the hippies got older, they all went and founded the tech companies like Apple and stuff. Yeah, I think so. Like you know, Steve Jobs yeah. of the world. You know, yeah, he was like a hippie exactly. CEO kind yeah, of yeah. guy. Um, so it's we're not you know dropping out. We're kind right. of skipping to the yeah reworking how we kind of like live in the world i think there's well the, you know creativity has like it's a process you know mm. so you have to go through ebbs and flows of the whole thing so true so true. You, you have a period of like okay i'm working hard on something mm-hmm. and then sometimes you take a step back and you go through the hip, more hippie phase right where yeah, you're just yeah. relaxing and chilling out and in those moments you get the inspiration you weren't even expecting mm-hmm. and then you come back into uh you know working on whatever you're working on with a newfound inspiration sure, yeah, yeah. um you know, I mean, I can talk about with this show, it was like that, you know, sometimes I, I got myself burnt out at one point, like, when I was putting myself under all this pressure, like, mm. oh, I need more content, more episodes, more guests, and I was like, oh my god, I don't have a guest this week, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of just, I went to Pi for a weekend that turned mm-hmm. in, you know, Pi is a place that you just can get stuck in, so mm-hmm. I got stuck there for like two weeks, and I just could have just let it go for a bit, and I decompressed, and now I came back to Chiang Mai, like, re-inspired, and like, oh, now all of a sudden mm. I'm... I'm seeing everywhere, like, oh, I can meet all these people and finding opportunities, and I'm very excited about doing all this stuff again, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, Chiang Mai is a place where people come to to, to re- recuperate yeah. from burnout sometimes yeah, as well. Yeah. 
if you go around like the yoga studios and the meditation centers, yeah. there's lots of people who are artists or you know media people mm. or even like corporate executives and yeah. they're taking a year out and yeah. hanging out in Chiang Mai. Yeah. So you have that happening here as well. A lot, there's a lot going. It's funny because it's like I just realized. Um, so I'm go- I've gone back to the states for the holidays, and mm. it's sort of it's been open ended about what I will do after that a bit. But more and more, I'm starting to lean towards. Yeah, I'm just going to come back here. Uh, mm-hmm. This is like the, uh, I, I can't see myself getting bored or, mm. or uh, yeah, trying out all the things going on in Chiang Mai for some time. There's so many interesting things going on, people to me that are doing cool things, stuff to learn, and I can't imagine a more perfect environment. God, I, I, I just uh, have this love affair with Chiang Mai, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's clearly both for us. Yes, it? yes. Well, it's, it's funny, <clears throat> this, this comes up so much on the show. I feel mm. like sometimes, like, oh man, uh, this is must be getting tired of hearing about how awesome Chiang Mai is, but it's like, it inevitably just comes up so much. <laughs> the people I'm talking to, like, like, not even intending to talk about Chiang Mai, like, we mm. just get into a discussion about, oh, here's some things I love. <laughs> well, it's something you never here, like literally, I've never spoken to a new person in Chiang Mai and said, so how do you find Chiang Mai? And I hate it. Go, I yeah, hate I don't it. like it. Yeah, it's nothing special. I don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just nobody ever. <laughs> yeah, I'm leaving to go back to, you know, Pittsburgh. Right. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't take it here. I had to, I had to leave immediately. <laughs> uh, it's like that. It's funny though, because then the digital nomads become somewhat domesticated, right? So, mm. you know, we become less nomadic because we're just, oh, well, this is the place. I need to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can hardly claim to be a nomad. Right, I, right. I move around yeah. so rarely in my nomadism. Right. Like, Chiang Mai is definitely my base. I'm going to spend some time in Cambodia in right. the coming year. Uh, CM Reap, mm. I'm told, is also a really cool Oh, city. yeah, man. CM Reap is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I was, um, before kind of settling into Chiang Mai, um, effectively, I, you know, I was doing more of a hardcore backpacking kind of mm-hmm. thing. Uh, being at the top of my journey and so yeah Cambodia I had a great time in Cambodia um, Siem Reap of course it was Angkor Wat um, mm. and so folks who are listening who don't know Angkor Wat it's like these it's just massive temples massive amounts of temples like sprawling everywhere you can um, yeah it's it's pretty sweet um, of course there's also Pub Street where you can go and have a drink and have a good time um, uh, Cambodia in general I found to be um, something really nicely appealing yeah, I hear very good things about Cambodia. Yeah. yeah. I may at some point, if there's a place that could pull me out of Chiang Mai, um, it may very well be Cambodia. Mm. Uh, I've been in talks with a friend about uh, potential kind of business out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's very, that's a, one thing I would say Cambodia has um, over Thailand is it's like a lot friendlier um, uh, to foreign business owners. Yeah. Uh, Thailand is like a whole pain in the ass to try to do it. Cambodia, the, the regular visa is a business visa. Yeah. And you can keep renewing it and they let foreigners own mm-hmm. business, you know. Yeah. So there is that uh, that appeal going to, to Cambodia. To yeah, show, it's, you know? a, it's a slightly gray area about Thailand, like whether you're allowed to do online work right. when you're here on a tourist. Yeah, like it is an interesting yeah. thing. Well, they had that raid recently. Uh, um, Pun Space. Yeah, Pun yeah. Space, which is one of the, the co-working spaces out here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's apparently it was okay, though, from what I heard from Yeah, people. in fact, it kind of clarified that there isn't really a problem. Mm. Um, mm. Pun Space really does look like an office right. when you look at yeah, it Yeah, what I had heard, and I am hearing it, hearing it third-hand, I wasn't mm. personally there that day. I was there like the day before or something, though, yeah. which is funny. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess they thought that 
you know, this thing looks like an office. Here's a bunch of people, a bunch of Farang foreigners sitting here working. Mm-hmm. It looks like they work for Pun Space. So I think they um, they thought that was going on. Yeah, right? they thought it was a, a business. Yeah. And there are businesses that employ pretty much only Farang. Mm. If you open a business here through the, the Board of Investment, mm. then there are ways that you can employ uh, 100% Farang in most oh. businesses. I uh, have to have a percentage of Thai people at least. Yeah. Um, and so there's a massive call center here that hires out personal assistance services uh, to Western businesses. Virtual assistance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and they've got hundreds of people. So they're Farang, they're Westerners, but they were living in Chiang Mai. Yeah. So, they're, so they're working yeah. for less than someone who's living in San Francisco or something yeah, like that. Pretty much. Pretty but much, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize that was going on too. Yeah, that's uh, the, the two big ways you can come to. Chiang Mai indefinitely is teaching or working in one of these businesses yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that is interesting yeah you know I, I wonder though like you, I, I think it is something of there's a gray area about this whole thing right mm. um, and I've read things on the internet like there was one article where uh, someone in I think immigration or something he specifically said oh yeah digital nomads can be here in tourist visas it's okay mm-hmm. and from what we saw after this this raid at pun space after they they, you know, they question everybody, and they, once they found out they weren't actually working there, they mm-hmm. let them go. No one had any, uh, and it seems to have clarified. You know, okay, so this is fine. What's going on? Yeah. yeah. But you know, mm-hmm. you still wonder. You know, this is Thailand. You know, some they could decide to interpret. A, you know, I wonder are they going to interpret a law differently mm-hmm. someday and like say, oh, well, if you're working here, working is anything. Yeah. Clicking a button is working. So, well, digital nomads are a, a new phenomenon. It is new. I think when the you, laws haven't caught up yeah. yet. When you talk about immigration mm-hmm. into a country. Most countries assume that someone coming to, to get something from the country, a right. job, or in the UK, it's sometimes people coming to claim benefits right. in the country. So the idea that like a lot of young, talented, educated people are kind of coming to your country and actually generating money in your country by running their businesses there and then spending that money. Yeah. That's like, you would think that's like not what people think of. It's a win, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. So it's, you are coming here, you're coming here bringing money into the mm-hmm. country. Um, I did hear one person give me another perspective on it though, mm. that I thought about, yeah. which was at the same time, you have all this farang here, yeah, well, you're bringing money, but you're also driving up the prices for mm. the local people, right? So now getting an apartment in Chiang Mai uh, is more expensive for local people because you've got all these farang here that mm. have uh, a lot of money. So uh, there's that aspect too, which you could, you know. Well, you know, the number of digital nomads is, is minimal. And if you look at mm, what's true. driving up prices in Chiang Mai, it's really Chinese investment. Is it? In the city. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, Learn something new. <laughs> so there was, you know, there's a massive Chinese community. They're building a highway all the way from Chiang Mai to China. Oh, All wow. the way across Laos in wow. stages. So you'll be able to drive between two. Very That's soon. amazing. Yeah. Oh, well, you have to start to, I guess you just have to pay up, get a visa and everything through at Lao to get through or is there going to be uh, a transit visa it may well be different particularly the for the Chinese at that point yeah so, you know, the Chinese are the, the power of this right. whole part of the world that's, yeah, that's, a, yeah. that's a perspective I never really kind of thought about I haven't been to China myself yet uh, no I'd really love to go I really I want to go to China, China. Yeah. yeah I've talked about that a lot too where it's like um, I, it was in my sights yeah. um, until I got tired I, I just need to find it by home you know um, well I'm very into, into science fiction a lot mm. of my journalism I have a niche writing about science ah, fiction okay. and futurism and everything I hear about China China is the future it's, yeah. it's already happening in China oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, that, that seems to be the trend although you know I, I, I kind of 
everything has changed though in this universe, right? Mm. So what rises must fall. So now the U.S. is super powerful. The U.S. will not be as powerful in the future. China is becoming more powerful. They will be for some time, and then eventually they won't be mm. again. And uh, you know, I feel like these things. Every big power rises and then ultimately has to fall. Mm. You know, it's just. Um, I agree with you. It looks the trend at the moment looks to be China's becoming a big, big player in like the world. Yeah, uh, the world. but we're in a weird times globally oh, yeah. as well. Like the, it's like Francis Fukuyama, the end of history. <laughs> like we can't really have a cycle of power anymore because we're just one world. Like yeah. within my lifetime, it doesn't seem like there's anywhere foreign. Yeah, left you know what? I feel the same. I, I, now. Since, and since I've been like. Uh, out here traveling, it makes me kind of realize, yeah, borders are weird. You know, they are. They're really yeah. weird. Like, when you're an internet person, yeah, you're like, what is this thing? So I have a piece of paper, uh, we call it passport, and it's this piece of paper that says, uh, well, when the earth rotates 30 more times, I have to cross this imaginary line. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what is that? Like, yeah. it doesn't yeah. make any sense. There's a lot of that kind of cognitive dissonance when you're primarily an internet technology yeah, person right it's the the William Gibson line like the future is here but it's unevenly distributed uh, and we're probably living in a, what looks like a little slice of the future I think so yeah to I mean people. and yeah and the truth is we um, you know folks like us we have we're at an advantage so for me being an American American passport I do have the mm. advantage of being able to go and uh, come to Thailand or kind of wherever in the world versus uh, a Thai person for example would have a much harder time just going yeah. wherever they want, just yeah, going sure. to the U.S. Yeah. And so that is certainly something that I'm on the uh, beneficial side of it, mm -hmm. as it turns out. But when I really look at it, take a step back, you know, and so I complain about, oh man, this sucks, I have to like cross the border in 30 days, mm. versus someone who can't travel at all as freely. Mm. All that said though, I think the whole thing is still, the whole thing is still weird. It's like, I would imagine more of like a, I think of like a John Lennon kind of world, you know, imagine mm. there's no countries kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, like, why do we have countries? It's, you know, you're an astronaut looking down on the planet. Mm, yeah. You know, you don't see these imaginary lines. Like, I think it's just an artifact yeah. of, mm. you know, history, right? People, how did we get countries in the first place? Well, there were people like kings that took over land and they mm. had subjects. And over time, it evolved from, you know, kings with subjects to, okay, so now we have democracy and all these things. But it's still an artifact of, these old systems of these ideas mm. of power that that some organization can have power over other people it's very i don't know i think in the future i could be wrong but i would imagine like there being a more kind of unified mm. um, you know no countries is kind of a and i would hope less of people trying to control other people sort of thing mm. yeah uh, but maybe this is just my my hippie john lennon well, uh, uh, <laughs> i think it's an international monetary fund Mm. proposal and they had like seven key proposals for alleviating um, inequality like global mm. financial inequality which is one of the main problems in the world at yeah. the moment and like number three on this list was removing all immigration barriers yes worldwide because as soon as people can move yeah that's going to start equalizing oh that, for sure that money straight away oh absolutely like and why is it that like just because i'm born i just happen to have been born in the u.s mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. why does that put me like why am i better than anyone else and like, why do i have mm. the ability to go places other people can't go you know it's um yeah it's very it's a weird bizarre and like i said we happen to be in the advantageous side of it mm. in the uk and the u.s and so it's 
but it's weird. It's very yeah. weird. Well, a UK passport is great for yeah. for, for traveling. Yeah. You only realize when you go abroad how valuable your yeah. your passport is. It is it's incredibly valuable. Like, yeah, I am very grateful and uh, I don't know to who I don't I thought I'm religious or anything, but it's not <laughs> but, uh, um, whatever it means I'm grateful, you know, yeah, yeah I'm a, uh, an advantage to have an American passport. Yeah. But I still think it's weird. Like why do I have this advantage? Yeah. You know, it doesn't well, talking about religious stuff, have you engaged at all with um, Buddhism? I in actually, Thailand? Yes. yeah. Well, not in Thailand, but when I was in India, I did a vipassana course. And so, yeah. for folks who are listening, vipassana is a is a ten day meditation mm -hmm. uh, where you don't talk and you kind of just yeah, you're with yourself meditating for ten days. So yeah, I did sure. this in a uh, in India. Have you done something? Yeah, Buddhism I've been studying well. meditation for mm. six or seven years. Yeah, so yeah. It was a big part of my reasoning to come to Thailand. Ah, yeah. Just to be in a, a Buddhist culture. Yeah, and yeah. It definitely has a big impact on all these small parts of Thai life. Although it's very, you might call it westernized or capitalist. Here, there's lots of shopping malls and stuff like that right. that you'll recognize. But then they all have a little Thai Buddhist shrine outside. Yeah, Chiang yeah. Chiang Mai, in particular, there's you know, 200 temples. Yeah, yeah. And they're all working temples with monks in orange robes yeah. uh, who go around collecting arms in the morning. Uh, I, I have really, another thing I like about Chiang Mai is this, is this interesting, uh, like, mix of East and West. Mm. You know, so you, yeah, yeah, you got this, uh, you're in a Buddhist country and the culture around you is immensely different than in the mm. Western country, but at the same time, you've got all these expats here and digital nomads. Mm. So, uh, and the, it's this great, great balance I think of the different all the worlds coming together mm. sort of thing um, yeah but the, I, I do also like being in, in a Buddhist I, I like um, I, I am attracted to Buddhism I don't mm. when I did this meditation retreat um, what I found to be unfortunate was um, and going into it I always viewed Buddhism the reason it was appealing to me was it was in my mind like the, the anti-religion religion it was sure. more about like you know sure, yeah. looking inward, that's yeah. meditation, all these yeah. things, and that really appealed to me. Mm -hmm. That it's not about um, a god or a, like anything external. It's like you look in yourself, and there's where your answers mm -hmm. are. Um, and I got a little bit disappointed, and maybe it's because of my own expectation. Mm -hmm. I had an expectation that wasn't met, you know. But it it, it was a, a religion. Mm -hmm. uh, I, yes. It was more of a religion yes. than I expected it to be when yeah. I dove into it more mm -hmm. you know it had its own dogma about you know oh the reincarnation and mm -hmm. which i why not you know i could i could believe in reincarnation you know i have no idea but mm -hmm. i felt it didn't mesh well when i was being told like this is a thing yeah like there is reincarnation for sure and your karma in this life is going to determine your yeah. next life and it, that was just too dogmatic it seems reasonable like why mm -hmm. not that seems like a reasonable thing but you don't know it, you know. <laughs> well, in the West, and I've learned this during my time in Thailand. Mm. Like in Thailand, Buddhism is a religion, and right. it's a cultural identity as well, in the same way that if you're from Europe, or probably America as well, you're, yeah. you're pretty much culturally Christian. You're raised mm. in the, with those cultural values. Right. Um, and that comes with a whole set of effects upon your personality right. and psychology as well. And they're all there. But in the West, we kind of taken Buddhism, and we turned it into Western Buddhism. Right. We've taken the parts that kind of work for us yeah, so that we yeah. can work with, like meditation. Yeah, and, it's true. That's a good point. Um, and I really like Western Buddhism. I value it. Well, but it's not the same thing. You're right. I like Western Buddhism as well. That's, that's yeah. what it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that's the thing. Mm. For all my complaints about, ah, oh, it's a religion after all. Oh, no. But there's a lot of 
good things in Buddhism that I've, for me personally, I've definitely learned from, mm. uh, from doing this meditation course. As much as I had my qualms with it, I learned immensely about myself and the world and mm. grew from it. And I was able to kind of, yeah, learn a step inwards. And, uh, sure. Yeah, it, there's a lot, um, a lot of things Do you feel that say. it helped you kind of get on the road traveling and do what you're doing? Um, well, the, that meditation course was after I was already traveling. Yeah. So I, mm -hmm. I started my trip uh, in India, yeah, and I, but I came kind of intending to do this. Mm. Uh, I'd heard about it. And yeah. I was like, oh yeah, that's an experience I want to have. Um, so that, it, but it helped me, I think, to get to the next level of my own personal growth mm. for sure. Yeah, um, it's something I was, I was sitting with a group of friends who are all nomads, a couple who are running a really interesting project to help students, college-age students, uh, yeah. um, do their studies mm. in a nomadic fashion. So to come and sit in uh, a city like Chiang Mai and do your courses online, yeah. study here, you know, great idea. And they're building all the software for it. And we were kind of talking, you know, we really love being digital nomads. Why doesn't everybody do this? <laughs> you know, and we brought it down in the end of fear. Uh, like, you know, there's a lot of stuff you've got to let go of. Mm. You've got to accept a very minimalist yeah, lifestyle. I think that's a big part of it. Like, I, I've lived out of one backpack for two years, and I love that. I do too. I, I yeah. love the fact that all my belongings are I, my high school backpack, literally. Exactly. So I, yeah. I have that and a guitar, and that's yeah. everything that I own. And there's uh, nothing to worry about. Yeah, you know, I don't yeah. have to think about when I get too much stuff. stuff. I'm like, oh my god, like I get rid of it. Stressful. It's stressful <laughs> having possessions now. Like I don't know yeah. oh, to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I found this this big overlap between uh, nomads and travelers and people who are interested in Buddhism or Hinduism. Mm, yeah, they do kind of go yeah. together, don't they? Yeah. It yeah. seems to be about kind of like developing that psychology that yeah. to let go of stuff and yeah, live in a different way. It does. It does go hand in hand. I I agree. There is a lot of um, I think. Fear does prevent people from, say, taking a leap. I mean, in my case, that was certainly true. I, mm. I didn't earlier, I'd say. Uh, you know, that said, though, I, I think maybe uh, I, I stopped myself from saying, like, oh, everyone should go and, you know, mm. go be a nomad. Like, it, it is great. It works for me, people like you and I. Um, although I, um, when sometimes when I talk to some friends back home, I, re I realize also, well, maybe there are some people where... Uh, Maybe they do like just kind of having a stable living in the U.S., having that uh, that kind of life. And I guess it's not for I wouldn't want to. It's not for me to say like, oh, you have to do this thing. You know mm. that, that yeah, I found yeah. appealing. Yeah. Um, but what I'll say is, for people that this does sound appealing to, that are listening and they're like, oh, this sounds so cool. I wish I could do that. You hear people that say mm -hmm. that's what I was told when I left my job. Oh my God, I wish I could do that. Yeah. All the for time. those people that are saying that, it's like. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can, and don't let the fear stop you. Mm -hmm. So that, and I think that is um, definitely something that I would support. <laughs> and that, maybe if you're struggling with the fear, try try and the Vipassana retreat. Yeah, you know, try that, some that'll, meditation. That'll some be a kick in the ass. <laughs> yeah, because you'll confront your fear when. You oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true. Um, well, I'll ask you one more question man mm -hmm. and this is the only prepared question that we have on the show wow okay <laughs> um in your life tell me one thing that you would like to do uh before it's all over something wow. you haven't already done like one element from my bucket list. your bucket list essentially yes mm, it's so interesting because you know one thing that i might say is uh, i'm here in chiang mai writing a book and i'd like to finish and, and mm. publish my yeah, book yeah yeah um so I think that would definitely be one item on my list. But, you know, I'd also 
like to continue traveling. Yeah. You know, yeah. is that an item? Why not? I think, I, yeah. I, this is a completely open-ended question. Yeah, you yeah. can answer however you like. Yeah, you know, I would like to make, um, and I already have, you know, traveling for me now is a part of my life. Right, so, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. yeah, whether I have, you know, a base like six months of the year and mm. traveling the rest of the year, or I'm even more nomadic than that, yeah. I definitely want traveling and new experiences to always be always be part of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, and I feel the same way. Um, and whether, yeah, uh, it may at points be more domesticated uh, mm. versus being a nomad or you staying in Chiang Mai, but yeah. it's still, um, yeah, it's, it's a lifestyle, I think, mm -hmm. of being abroad and not just, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever kind of stay put really permanently yeah. at this point, but after, after this experience, it would be very hard for me to really commit to forever to be in you don't you don't just want a house in a suburb and, right and a car and a commute no not exactly no. <laughs> <laughs> nope <laughs> um, awesome well um cool do you have where can people find you on twitter um, yeah i'm if you google damien walter okay there are two and i'm not the hollywood stuntman or park okay. expert you're not the Hollywood stuntman. Yeah, All right, I'm cool. the other Damien. Your handle is what? At Damien Walter? Yeah, at Damien G. Walter. Damien G. Walter. Yeah. Okay, awesome. And uh, I'll say one more thing for our listeners. If we have an offer for you, um, as you may know, it, you can get yourself a free audiobook um, through being, just by being a listener to the show. It's at audibletrial.com slash WTE podcast. Uh, you are, you, Damien, you're a fan of audiobooks yeah, yourself, yeah? I love listening to audiobooks yeah. uh, whilst I'm running. Oh, running is okay. my big uh, physical exercise thing, so I go running most days. Nice. And I have my audiobook plugged in, so Sweet. that I'm uh, picking up some, some knowledge. Do you something. have any like specific recommendations, a book you've yeah, listened to recently? Yeah, actually I just listened to, and I had read it a number of years ago, and it started me running, and it's uh, what I talk about when I talk about running by Haruki Murakami. Oh, okay. He's a novelist, he's one of my favorite novelists, and this is his memoir of being a marathon runner for the last oh, 25 awesome. years. So he spends his mornings writing novels and then he goes out, hits the road, and he does like a, at least one marathon a year. He's done ultra marathons. Oh, wow. And what, it's interesting because what he talks about when he talks about running is also writing and like how the mentality of the runner is also the mentality of the writer. Like oh, that seems right up your alley then, right? <laughs> Brilliant. This is like Inception though, you're hearing about running while you're running. running. <laughs> <laughs> he has a very calm, uh, meditative style as well. He's uh, a very interesting writer. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, folks, you can find that book or any others um, mm -hmm. on your run, on your commute, on your bus ride, uh, audiobook. Um, check it out, Audible Trial dot com slash WTE podcast. Get yourself a free one. Um, and with that, we will say farewell for now um, from Chiang Mai, Thailand. Uh, you can find us online at WTEpodcast.com. Uh, on our site, I'll have a blog post that goes along with this episode. So the videos we mentioned, all these kind of things, I'll have links to that content um, on our website, WTEpodcast.com. Uh, so thank you for listening Damien thanks for coming on the show man thanks for inviting me time. on it's great uh, yeah it was, it was a lot of fun um, so thanks for listening guys and we'll catch you next time next time on Walking the Earth podcast Mike sits down with Pete Hillman a veteran traveler who's been on the road for longer than Mike and I have been alive yes that's right 
about 31 years of travel full time and there are thousands and thousands of stories and we get to only hear a few next time on walking the earth podcast such as the nile and differences in technologies that pete didn't have you know 20 30 years ago such as when we were communicating you'd make collect calls at over a dollar 50 a minute um and uh, we had something called post restaurant it's still there basically people would send you mail and you would arrive in somewhere like Singapore or Kathmandu and there would be a room full of uh, letters and you'd spend four hours looking through <laughs> all of them. Before you had Skype and email. Oh, to... before all that, yeah. And it was amazing. If you found a letter that someone, you know, a loved one had written you and you were in the back end of, you know, Calcutta, it was like Christmas. Yeah, that's right. No email, no Skype. If you wanted to communicate with loved ones, you'd have to wait for a letter. And hopefully it'd be waiting somewhere for you in in Calcutta. So check this out online. It'll be posted sometime next week at WTEPodcast.com.